Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, what's going on? This is Talking Football with Ray. Tuesday, November the 9th. Coincidentally enough, my name is Ray. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for uh, tuning into the podcast today. Going to be talking about the uh, the NFL, believe it or not. Going to talk about Odell Beckham Jr. Where is he going to land? We're going to talk about the NFL officials and just how absolutely brutal they've been. Aaron Rodgers expected to play on Sunday. So is Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers did a complete turnabout today. Patriots got running backs in concussion protocol. Nick Chubb for the Browns is on the COVID-19 list. We're going to talk Cowboys. We're going to talk Patriots. We're going to talk Saints. We're going to talk it all. Hope y'all are doing great. But before we get started, I got to tell you that this video is brought to you by Newsbreak. Stick around to the end to see why it's worth downloading the free Newsbreak app. Stay up to date with all your local news and my NFL content by downloading the app that I've left in the description. Over 1 billion users have downloaded the free Newsbreak app, getting access to all of their local news and content provided by Newsbreak. However, not only is Newsbreak a sponsor of my channel and the podcast, they're also my bosses. I've been marked as a top contributor for Newsbreak covering the entire NFL. I also want to throw a big thank you to all of you. 5,000 followers today. You guys are amazing. What are you waiting for, man? Download the free Newsbreak app with the link I've left in the description. It directly supports me. If you want transparency, Dude, I'll give you transparency. Every time somebody downloads a Newsbreak app from my link, it directly puts money in my pocket. So download the app. Get unlimited free access to your local news and all of my NFL content for free while supporting the channel and supporting the podcast. It's a win-win for everybody. So please take 30 seconds and download the Newsbreak app from the link that I've left in the description. So as I said, I got a lot of different stories I got to talk about today. But I want to answer some questions that people have had for me. One of the questions I get a lot is how come you don't really talk about teams like the Buffalo Bills and the Indianapolis Colts or the Houston Texans since you've started the new format and and covering the full NFL for Newsbreak? The answer is actually really, really simple. And it's basically that unless there's really pressing news, nobody cares about those teams outside of their fan bases. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I know my boy Lawrence, he's a Colts fan. My boy Mario's a Bills fan. But outside of little regional markets, nobody cares. Because, listen, I cover 10 stories a day for Newsbreak. Some of them are fluff pieces because you can't. There's just 
most days there's not 10 pieces of news to discuss. Nobody cares about it. the analytics are there. I hear it from the people I work for. I hear it from, or I see it. I apologize on my analytics. I see how many people watch, how many people care, the likes, the shares, the comments, the retention, all of that piece. Nobody cares about these small market teams. And I know you know Houston's a big city. It shouldn't be small market, but it is. They're not popular across the national media. They're not popular across NFL fan bases. So I'm not here to offend anybody. But a fluff piece about Buffalo forces, it, it makes people change the podcast. It makes people click away from the video. So when I'm building stuff up for the for Newsbreak or I'm trying to you know prep the show, I look at those teams. I look at that news. I, if there's no pressing news, though, that people need to know about, it really, it just doesn't work. Again, I apologize if you're a fan of one of those teams and you're you're offended by what I say, but I'm sorry, nobody cares about your football team outside of you and your fan base. And your fan base isn't big. It's regional. Like, I don't know a lot of Indianapolis Colts fans who don't live in Indiana. I'm sure there's a couple. I'm sure somebody here is going to say I do, but there's not many. Outside of the Buffalo area and a little bit of the GTA and, and the border cities and stuff, like, you go to a city like Toronto, where I am here in Canada, and, I mean, it's a melting pot. It's not Buffalo Bills country. The Buffalo Bills played, I think, six games in Toronto. They couldn't fill out the stadium. Tickets were too expensive. And it's not a home game. People aren't Bills fans. Now, maybe for a team like Indianapolis or a team like Buffalo, if they get better and start competing, then maybe, yeah, then maybe they're in a position where they start getting more fans, but at, at this point, it's just not there. I'm sorry. I hope you're not offended by it, it but it's it's the truth. So that's why. That's the question. Um, Yeah. That's why I don't talk about those teams unless there's really real breaking news to talk about. I mean, I talked about Deshaun Watson for a long time, which, of course, included Houston. But when I'm trying to pick content, I'm trying to pick content about teams that people care about, whether you like them or hate them or whatever. There's an interest to it. People who aren't Packers fans love to hate on Aaron Rodgers. Teams like Seattle have a big following. A lot of teams don't. So there's the answer. Not trying to be a, you know what? It's just the truth, man. Anyways, I got... A bunch of stories we got to cover here. Let's start getting through before we run out of time. So Odell Beckham Jr. cleared waivers today, which maybe was a little surprising. There was a lot of conversation around the Seattle Seahawks possibly picking him up. But that obviously makes him a free agent. And as Adam Schefter said, he's free to sign with whoever he wants. And I love how the media sometimes treats us like we're morons and we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, from what we've heard, though, is Odell Beckham Jr.'s preferred destination is Green Bay. However, a lot of people are saying the Saints and the Patriots are making a big push. And then this last little while, the Kansas City Chiefs names have popped up on a couple of different places. So when we start talking about the the good spot for Odell and why he would pick a, a location or where he should go, I mean, we've heard that he wants to be a part of a playoff contender. Coaching means a lot to him. 
Green Bay makes sense. You got Aaron Rodgers there. You got Matt LaFleur, who is a pretty damn good coach. Odell would probably be a big piece of that offense, too, because you can't really say that the receiving core is stacked by any means necessary. Odell wouldn't be the clear-cut number one. He'd still be the number two on that team. So, I mean, that's preferred. But I was having this conversation with somebody today, and they said to me, like, that place needs any more drama. Maybe Odell's ready to not cause drama. And I know there's people who have defended him in the past. I know there's people who, a lot of Cleveland Browns teammates, you know, said good things about Odell. and Not Baker Mayfield, but others. Who knows? As for the Saints, I mean, Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill. Yeah, you'd be the number one receiver, but yeah, Sean Payton's, and Sean Payton's a phenomenal coach. Should be looked at as one of the best in the NFL, but are you satisfied? Unless you're going for a long-term deal, but still, what? You want to play with Jameis Winston? That's on the top of your list when you have the opportunity to possibly play for the Green Bay Packers? And another team like the Patriots, I mean, they're playoff contenders in New England. And they got a young quarterback. They got great coaching. Odell, once he learns the system, would definitely be the number one wide receiver in New England. He's better than everybody else they have. He's better than Aguilar. He's better than Jacoby Myers. So, I mean, if it's really down to three teams, the Patriots and the, the Packers and the Saints, the Patriots and the Packers make the most sense. The Chiefs, obviously, are they playoff contenders? I mean, you got to believe they are until Patrick Mahomes, you know, dies and says that they're not but he's definitely not going to be the number one there he's going to be playing second third fourth and fifth fiddle across that offense so it all depends what he wants i guess so patriot fans did get a little excited today because they cleared a roster spot and a lot of people thought that it was the possibility of odell for odell beckham jr however it was to activate third string quarterback i guess 2019 fourth round draft pick Jared Stidham and he's now part of that 53 man roster he's also going to be so the Patriots are going to carry three quarterbacks and I know I've seen a lot of Patriot fans questioning why and I get it I get why people would question why the Patriots want to bring on Jared Stidham here's my take on it I think that the Patriots plan is and always was even you know when they knew Stidham was going to be hurt. Brian Hoyer is there to mentor Mac Jones. He's almost to be like a quarterback coach for him. If in knock on wood, something were to happen to Mac Jones and they had to play a backup quarterback, I feel like Jared Stidham would actually be first in line. Not Brian Hoyer. That's the reason you bring him up to the 53-man roster. I think the Patriots look at Jared Stidham as a capable backup quarterback who can back up Mac Jones maybe for a long time. There's not a lot of teams out there whose backup quarterbacks are, you know, real starter-ready quarterbacks. Your backup is a guy who understands the system, who's going to come in and play the system well. And I think that's the Patriots playing with Jared Stidham. I don't see teams knocking down the door wanting to sign him or trade for him. Brian Hoyer is not a long-term solution at backup. 
And with the right coaching and the right situation, I think Jared Stidham could fill in for a game or two if the Patriots were to lose Jones this season, next season, going forward. Yeah, you don't want him starting 17 games a season, but one, two, coming in and mop-up situations, that kind of thing. Now, Stidham didn't get a start last year. I think a lot of people were hoping he would, especially when Cam Newton wasn't playing well. However, I think that you really should take into consideration that I think the Patriots, the reason that they activate him, the 53-man roster, the reason they carry three quarterbacks, the reason Stidham's probably going to be inactive for most of this season as long as Mac Jones is healthy is to be there just in case because I don't think the faith, the backup, is in the hands of Brian Hoyer. So the Pittsburgh Steelers pulled off a win yesterday against Chicago. They kind of fended them off. The Browns were coming you know, back on them at the end of the game. Uh, flags galore. Again, and we'll get into it a little bit later about the officiating in the NFL, which has been just brutal this entire season. It's probably the worst I've ever seen it. But the Steelers have won, uh, rattled off. I think that was their fourth in a row now. And they're they're just they're starting to creep up. They started, I think, a couple of weeks ago. They were fourth in the AFC North, and now they're in second behind Baltimore. They're in a playoff spot at the moment. And there's a lot of people out there who are wondering, man, are the Pittsburgh Steelers pretenders or contenders in the NFL? And my opinion is, I don't know. Like Ben Roethlisberger doesn't look good anymore. He just looks like a guy who they got to pay a lot of money to and they're stuck with. Juju Smith-Schuster is out for the year. I mean... They've got a really good rookie running back. Their defense is great, obviously, with with TJ Watt in the mix. But, I mean, if you're an opposing team, are the Pittsburgh Steelers a team that you fear? Like, Mike Tomlin is, to me, the most underrated coach in football. I think way too many people uh, just look down on him as a coach and that he's so much better than people give him credit for. And I mean, Tomlin, what was it, two years ago, brought the the Steelers to an 8-8 eight and eight record. Mason Rudolph was their quarterback from like week two and on after Ben Roethlisberger got hurt. And really, they missed making the playoffs, losing on the last game of the season. So I think a lot like Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, Andy Reid to an extent, even though we haven't seen it without, well, no, we saw it a little bit when Mahomes got hurt, but you can you always can count on the coaching to steal you some games. But I mean, when you look at the Steelers record, depending on what happens with Cleveland, because they're a very inconsistent team as well. The Packers could be a 10-win team. 10 wins will probably be enough to get you into the playoffs, but they could also be like they'd be like an eight-win team. I don't know how to judge the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're a really, really tough team to judge. You know, week after week, it feels like we're coming out here and we're talking about NFL officials. And it's it's not just one game. It's game after game after game. Now, obviously, today's subject is being sparked by the controversial taunting penalty that got thrown at Cassius Marsh in Chicago. Hope he's having fun there. And to me, I didn't get it. And it looked like he got bumped by the official 
And I totally agree with Cassius Marsh when he says if he would have thrown his hip out the way the official did, even if it was inadvertent, he would have automatically been tossed for making contact with an official. Because when you watch that video, it looks like the official is purposely putting his body into Cassius Marsh. How can the National Football League, though, stand there day after day, week after week, game after game, and defend these officials? It feels like every week we're looking at six, seven, eight, nine, ten different calls or different officiating crews that are dropping the ball, that are making calls that are critical to the game. Third down penalties are through the roof. And why is there emphasis on different kind of penalties? They haven't thrown a flag against Matthew Judon all season who gets held on every play, yet I think the last two weeks has had more taunting penalties than the last seven weeks prior. They need to fix the problem in the NFL, and I've talked about using technology. I've talked about holding the referees accountable, not just privately, but to the public as well. Officials should have to stand at the podium the same way players and coaches do and explain themselves. And has the NFL consulted the fans about the taunting rules? Maybe have a little bit of, of flexibility? It reminds me of the no celebration rules when guys used to get celebration penalties for celebrating after a touchdown or an interception. Like, the no fun league was a pun, but it's like the NFL wants to continue to put themselves there. But the officials are bad, man. Like, awful. There's no excuse for how bad the officiating is. I don't care if they're not full-time refs or they have other jobs or whatever it may be. They are absolutely brutally awful. And the NFL needs to fix it because it's a mockery. It's an absolute mockery of the game. You almost feel like it's fixed. Like I, I tweeted this morning and I meant it. There's no way the officials are this bad. These games must be rigged. And the NFL is allowing that type of narrative because they are doing nothing to fix the problem. Enough is enough. They got to fix this now. So the Seattle Seahawks didn't claim Odell Beckham Jr. today as a lot of Seattle Seahawks fans were hoping for. However, they did get the good news that Russell Wilson will be back on Sunday when they play the Green Bay Packers, something that the Seahawks have hoped since the beginning. I recall when he got injured that the Packers were talking about, or the Seahawks were talking about the opportunity for him to be back for the Packers game, especially with the bye week. And Russell Wilson will be back. Now, obviously, Russell Wilson is an important part of the Seattle Seahawks. I once said that like Lamar Jackson was the most important player to their team, but Russell's got to be right there. And he's going to make all the difference in the world. However, there's so many things that are wrong with Seattle. You know, they have two wide receivers in, in Lockett and Metcalf who are both on pace to be thousand yard receivers this year. And yet I was seen the other day, they're like 27th in passing in the NFL. Maybe they're a little bit better than that, but they're not high. Their pass defense, their rush defense, their defense is, is horrible, minus points allowed. And I know at the end of the day, points allowed is all that matters, but when you allow teams to have long drives and eat up the clock and run the football on you, it's not going to help you. I don't know if Russell Wilson is enough to bring 
Seattle to a point where they're competing for a playoff spot. And now they're playing a Packers team who is expected to have Aaron Rodgers back, who just came from a bad loss against Kansas City. It wasn't a blowout, but it was such a bad game. I mean, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be back until Saturday, so he's got no practice. He does plan on playing on Sunday. Maybe that's going to affect him a little bit. However, I just, I don't, and I'm not trying to offend Seahawks fans, but there's more problems than just your quarterback situation when Russell Wilson's out. He'll be back. He's going to make you better. However, I just, in that division with the Rams and the 49ers, the Cardinals, I just don't see how Seattle bounces back, even with Russell Wilson now. It's like almost like too little, too late. The Cleveland Browns have had a couple of weeks, right? (laughs) First, the whole Odell Beckham Jr. nonsense and controversy. It all ended today at 4 p.m. Eastern time when he cleared waivers and is officially not a Cleveland Brown. They had that blowout win on Sunday to the Cincinnati Bengals, which was, you know, a statement game for them. Now they got the New England Patriots this week, who's one of the hottest teams in football at this moment. Three in, they just rattled off three in a row. They look like they're coming together. Baker Mayfield's playing hurt. Kareem Hunt is out with an injury. And now probably their best player on offense, because Miles Garrett's probably the best, is the best player in Cleveland, but their best player on offense, Nick Chubb, has tested positive for COVID-19 and he's questionable for Sunday's game, which more than likely he won't play. Because he tested positive, He it said today he is vaccinated, so if he can have back-to-back negative tests in 24 hours, he'll be fine. But we have I don't know if we've seen that yet this year. I, don't, I haven't seen an example of it. Now, Dernis Johnson is, is still available, but I think as of right now, he's Cleveland's only running back. I'm sure they're going to add some depth to that before this game starts. And he had a great game, both when, when Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were out. However, they're going up against a really, really, really tough Patriots defense. And as a Patriots fan, when we started talking about this Cleveland game, we talked a lot about having to neutralize Nick Chubb, that he was almost impossible to neutralize. If he's out... I'm not going to sit here and guarantee the Patriots win their fourth in a row. Uh, Any given Sunday, yada, yada, yada. It's tough to put in a guarantee, but this is going to make Cleveland's life very, very difficult. This is by no means. uh, It it wasn't going to be an easy game to begin with, and you got two teams who are trying to prove that they're real, that they deserve the credit that they've been getting. And without Nick Chubb, Cleveland's going to be in really, really tough. So Aaron Rodgers is expected to play Sunday. He'll be able to clear the COVID-19 protocols, I think, on Saturday. So he's not really going to get practice. He'll get a walkthrough, and then he'll be ready to take on, which are now led by Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks team. But the bigger story today was he reappeared on the Pat McAfee show, as he does every week. Now, last week, he he caused a stir with his opinion and, and how he got his medical advice from Joe Rogan and he was dropped by a health center today and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that he did an about face today because he never backed away from his, from his opinion. And I really don't care what his opinion is. Um, I think that we have to just respect other people's opinions, but he did take accountability for misleading people because he he can say whatever he wants. He was asked blankly if he was vaccinated 
And he didn't say no. He said, I'm immunized. Well, when you're asked blankly if you're vaccinated then you're and you say, I'm immunized, people are going to assume that that meant you were vaccinated. So he took accountability for that. Fine. I, I don't think it's going to... This will go away. State Farm is standing beside them, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, football always seems to overshadow every controversy. But I got to call out the NFL a little bit here. No loss of pick, no suspension, Aaron Rodgers. Don't forget last year, the Saints and the Raiders both lost draft picks for violating COVID-19 protocol rules. I think the Titans lost some as well. The Titans got a lot of trouble because they were like in lockdown and they went and practiced on their own. It was the players, no coaches were there. The Green Bay Packers knowingly let Aaron Rodgers violate NFL protocols. Again, this isn't a political issue. This isn't a should he be vaccinated, shouldn't he be vaccinated. Those are all personal choices. I don't care. But he broke the rules. And the NFL, is they're just turning a blind eye to it. This is why nobody takes anything they do serious. It's again why I continuously say that that football and the NFL, it's entertainment. Don't take it for anything more. Too many people take football way too serious. If the NFL was serious, first of all, it never will be because it'll never affect our lives. We still got to get up in the morning. We still got to go to work. I'm still going to be a poor guy talking about football on the internet. However, if they were serious about things, there would be some serious retribution for what happened for the violations. They've chosen not to. I mean, should we be surprised at this point? No. The NFL basically blows everything that they do. So Nick Chubb is out for Cleveland, as has been discussed. And he's a big part of that Cleveland Browns offense. New England's got their own problems on the other side because Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, both their starting running backs, Damian Harris being their number one, Ramondre Stevenson being their number two. They're both in concussion protocol this week. And the Patriots are in wait and see to see if they're going to be cleared to play on Sunday. If they can't play, the Patriots are going to be going forward with Brandon Bolden and J.J. Taylor. Now, Brandon Bolden's had a phenomenal year. But do you trust Brandon Bolden throwing the ball 30 times? Sorry, running the ball 30 times? Do we want Mac Jones, if you're a Patriots fan, throwing the ball 35, 40 times? No, you want to keep that balanced offense. Mac Jones has been throwing the ball about 30 times a game. I think his average over the last four games is like 29.5 passes per game. I like that average. It's a good average. Protect them with the running backs. But if Harrison Stevenson aren't ready to go, it's the, the Patriots are going to be in tough. I mean, if they were both healthy, we knew they were going to play. No Nick Chubb playing for Cleveland. Man, you know, I know you got to try to do something to get around that defense, which is a pretty stout defense. Don't get me wrong. But you could do some stuff. You can get around him. You could run the football, throw the football, play balanced. I would give the Patriots a really good chance to win. However, Harrison Stevenson not being there is a big, big deal. Like Harris is probably the second most important player on the Patriots offense next to Mac Jones. Now, sometimes things like this will motivate teams like a, a team will want to come out and play hard. So we don't, we don't need these guys. We can win as a team. We can win with these other guys. But Cleveland's kind of got the same thing with Nick Chubb, right? They just proved that they could win without Odell Beckham Jr. Now they got to prove they can win without Nick Chubb again. It kind of really evens things out. Um, we'll watch as it goes on. We know that Sam Darnold, after one week, was cleared for Sunday. We'll see if any of the Patriots uh, running backs are cleared for Sunday. 
But these are watching these running backs on both teams are big stories to watch as this week goes on. And finally, the Patriots used the 15th overall pick to draft Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields were all drafted before him. Now, Justin Fields had a phenomenal game Monday night, probably his best game of his career so far. Mac Jones has been better than all of them. Mac Jones' midseason report card is almost A-plus the whole way. Now, he's had mistakes. He hasn't been perfect. He started, I mean, that interception to Stephon Gilmore on Sunday was brutal. Bad read, bad throw, whatever. Mac Jones has been good, though. Mac Jones has run the Patriots' offense beautifully. Mac Jones has made smart decisions. Mac Jones has taken care of the football for the most part. He's allowed the run game to do its thing, taking advantage of those opportunities. He doesn't have a great receiving core. He's got a good receiving core. I wouldn't say a great receiving core. I wouldn't look at Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bournes, and Jacoby Myers as some outstanding crew. A lot of people said that that was going to be the Patriots' weakness. Jonu Smith has been dealing with injuries. He hasn't really been ingrained in the offense from a tight end. Hunter Henry, we're starting to see that connection between him and Jones. However, Mac Jones, I mean, and there was a lot about this season. You go back to that Houston game, the Patriots could have packed it in. Mac Jones could have packed it in. The Patriots could have packed in this season when they were one and four or two and four, whatever that, you know, I know they were one and three, two and four. They didn't, though. They're over 500 for the first time since, I think, 29th, since week two or week three of last year when they were two and one. They've won back to back games for the first time since 2019. The Patriots are, as of right now, defending a playoff spot and kind of have their own destiny in their hands. With the way the Buffalo Bills have fallen off, they're competing against them, and a lot of that goes down to Mac Jones. And kudos to Bill Belichick for making that decision because that was a tough decision. Mac Jones or Cam Newton, and they decided to go with, with Mac Jones for whatever reason. And Well, Mac Jones has been proving his coach right for a lot of this season. And I don't think anybody can look at it at this midpoint. Now, I mean, listen, Jamar Chase has been phenomenal, the wide receiver over in, in Cincinnati, and that's why I think that Mac Jones won't win Rookie of the Year. However, he should be number two. He should be in contention. And I think that the Patriots fan base should be very excited about the future of their team with this kid at the quarterback position because it's going to be absolutely phenomenal if he keeps us up and going. And that's it for the news, guys. And I got one more question to answer that I got today. And I just got, you know, the question everybody's asking, how realistic is it? How realistic is it that the Patriots sign Odell Beckham Jr.? I'm going to say it's about as realistic as them not signing Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, there's a part of me that believes it's actually going to happen as a Patriots fan. There's another part of me that believes if I see it tomorrow, I'm going to be shocked and excited, and I really don't see it coming. I'm prepared to give it a 50-50 of whether or not I think they can do it. Like, am I going to turn around and say that Odell definitely wants to play for the Patriots? I don't know. Like, it's more than just the Patriots wanting him. You know, again, the story we, we recalled today, the Patriots are making a push. Odell needs to want to sign with the Patriots as well. And, I mean, I'm looking at this here, trying to go on Twitter. I mean, I, I'm watching this every minute. Like, this is a, 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 a 
a breaking by breaking moment. You just don't know what is going to happen. I'm looking here. Probably won't find out until tomorrow. And it's not even a top six tweet now on the one list that I'm looking at. So I, I would probably expect we find out tomorrow what's going to happen. Again, I give it a 50-50. The pessimistic side of me wants to say no. The optimistic Patriot fan of me wants to say yes. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Guys, I want to tell you that when you join the Ray Route Patreon page, you'll get four exclusive videos fueled by the subjects that you give me every single week. Uh, that's right. When you become a Patreon member, you'll get four exclusive videos from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. That's not all. Every second Friday, I host a Patreon hangout for all the Patreon members. You have the opportunity to hang out with on the screen with me and other Patreon members, chat about football, life, basically just friends chopping it up, talking about everything. Uh, we also get uh, drop-ins by Connor and Lawrence, and we have different guests who come in and, and chop it up with you guys. And you have the opportunity to talk to us in person and, and, and just go up. And guys, I don't believe in in making huge money. Um, you know, there's companies that pay me like Newsbreak, and I even make my money there. I don't want to make my money from you. Uh, I, I just, you know, I just got to put a little, just just a little bit, right? I don't have different tiers. I'm not going to exclude people. I'm not going to say like, hey, if you pay five bucks, you get this. If you pay ten bucks, you get that. I hate when people do that. I have one tier. It's five bucks. That's it. Everybody pays the same thing and everybody gets all of the content and all the perks, right? Including a link to our discord page. That's exclusive to our Patreon group where we're actively chatting about football. So don't wait any longer. Sign up for the Patreon page by clicking the link that I've left in the description, or you can go to www.patreon.com slash DPN sports. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Come join our little community of football fans over on Patreon. Guys, and I want to remind you that over 1 billion users have downloaded that free Newsbreak app, getting access to all of their local news and content provided by Newsbreak. However, not only is Newsbreak a sponsor of my channel, they're also my bosses. I have been marked as a top contributor for Newsbreak covering the entire NFL. What are you waiting for? Download the Newsbreak app with the link that I left in the description, and it directly supports my channel. If you want transparency, I will give you the transparency that you want, guys. Every time somebody downloads the Newsbreak app from my link, it directly puts money in my pocket. So download the app, get unlimited free access to all your local news and all of my NFL content for free while also supporting the channel. It's a win-win for everybody. So please take 30 seconds and download the Newsbreak app from the link that I've left in the description. For everybody who's still watching, I appreciate you. For everybody who's not, you can't hear this, but I'll be posting a couple of clips up on the Patriots News with Ray Route webpage. Got some exciting news hopefully coming down the track very, very soon. And uh, I will let everybody in on that. Until next time, guys, you guys are all legit, kid. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. 
Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.